Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. We are here to help Christians make sense of the roots of their faith so that they might go out and help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus. Now, my name is Matt, and I'm here with my dad. Yep, I'm here. Just can't get rid of me. <laughs> Though we have tried. Uh, it keeps no, coming no, back. No, no, no. Not no? nice, not nice. Okay. Be a good boy. All right, I'll try to be a good boy. Hey, if we sound even better and even clearer than ever before, we have a little bit of new apparatus in the studio here today. If you want to see that, you can check it out on the Instagram, the old Instagram, at the Jewish Road. But we've solved a problem for ourselves here, haven't we? I think so. You think so? <laughs> I mean, I only know. one of many, many problems, but I've, I'm hoping that we, we solved this. We had a this. problem? We had a problem. The yeah. problem was that every time you talked and you went from one place to another, oh, we, yeah. You'd move your head, and then you weren't talking in the microphone anymore. So we've permanently attached a microphone to your face. Yeah. <laughs> by, by means of a headset microphone. So yeah. yeah. That's pretty this is, good. This is good. This is a lot better. I can move around. I like to move around. Yeah. It, you know, if only we could keep your hands still, then we yeah. would. Uh, it's part of being well. Jewish. You're not going to solve. Yeah. So, hey, uh, before we get into uh, this episode uh hit me with a little humor a little back to the cat skills moment you got anything good uh, here today oh yeah okay let's uh let's go to the borscht belt the oh boy you're introducing new <laughs> new uh, territory there it's part of the cat skills okay the yeah borscht belt in the catskill mountains yeah all right yeah let's hear a little bit okay well we have to have a, a little bit of humor so you, you know especially in the days that we're living in we, we got to have something to uh you know to laugh about a little bit so uh Here's, uh, here's a story about uh, a group of uh, folks uh, going from one place to another, doesn't matter where, on a small airplane. There are four passengers in there. There's a doctor, there's a lawyer, there's a rabbi, and there's a 12-year-old kid. And somewhere in mid-flight, the captain peeks his head back and he says, folks, I, I, we've got a mechanical problem here. I'm sorry to tell you. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to fix it. Uh, going to have to. Everybody's going to have to bail out. <laughs> uh, then hope, he says to them, "Hope you brought a parachute." Yeah, well, he says there's another problem. There are only there are four of you, and there are only three parachutes. So right away, everybody starts thinking. The doctor says, "Hey, wait a minute. I'm too important, you know, to the world. I uh, I help people. people. I heal people. Right. Uh, I need." So he grabs a parachute and he jumps out. Oh boy. Yeah, and then the lawyer comes up and he says, listen, uh, I defend people. I'm, I'm one of the smartest men in the world. And so he jumps out. And then the rabbi says to the kid, he says, listen, he says, I've lived a long life. He says, uh, you're very young. You've got many years in front of you. You take the last parachute. The kid says, don't worry, rabbi. The smartest man in the world just jumped out with my backpack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good i'll take it you like that one yeah they both lived poor poor uh poor smartest man in the world yeah not so smart that's good i feel like i've heard versions of that with like boy scouts and all that but i, I like yeah. the little rabbinical twist you put on there yeah well you know what can i say that's who we are that's good all right well hey uh we have been in a series uh talking about the early church uh, and how really the early church was Jewish. And we're trying to restore the Jewishness of that narrative, that story 
back to its original context. That's all about you know the Hebrew roots and what is it that we are. Let, let's really read the text. Let's take the text and let's make sure that we are presenting the truth about the text. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I think the Jewish people will look at the church and say this is something that's not Jewish at all, and you have Christians in the church who will look at uh, the church and be surprised that there is a church that started that was completely Jewish. Yeah, so that's what we've been going through, and we've, we've walked through this progression of what was the Jewish mindset before the time of Jesus. We looked at the Jewish mindset while Jesus was here on earth, Yeah. right? Before yeah. the, before the be, crucifixion. Yeah, yeah, and, and in that context, uh, as he was making his way through the land of Israel constantly from Dan to Beersheba, preaching and teaching and presenting the the gospel and the kingdom of God, we find in Acts chapter 10 that he tells his disciples in chapter 10 and verse 6, he, he sends them out and he says, don't go to the Gentiles, don't even go to the Samaritans who are half Jewish, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right, so he's very focused in on that mission. And it's yeah. interesting that, that Jesus would say, don't go to these people in particular. Yeah, yeah. And, and in fact, it it was not just his instruction to them, but a couple of chapters later in chapter 15, when you have the Canaanite woman who needs healing for her daughter and comes and begs uh, Yeshua, uh, he said to her, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, just like he had told his disciples, and now he's telling this Canaanite woman. Yeah, and as you look at the ministry of Jesus, though there were many who were healed, and there would be people lining the streets, and there would be a line out the door. He didn't heal everybody. Um, not everybody was healed. And so um, that really brings us to, and, and we looked at the Jewish mindset after uh, the resurrection and going into that, but now we're, we're moving into a different territory. We, we walked into Pentecost, and which is also known as Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks, and we're looking at this early church that is, in particular, Jewish. Um, we are seeing the salvation of the Jewish people, the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, is falling on the Jewish people, and and now we are actually moving into something different. And, and really the question that we are asking and that we hope to answer in this episode is, can a Gentile be saved? Yeah, because it, it seems as if he is going, per his instructions and his own statement, uh, just to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and it's a necessary thing because God said that he would make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Uh, he said that all the way back in Jeremiah chapter 31. And so it's not surprising that when the Messiah comes, he is there to make a covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. He must go to them first. And when, when we look at some of this, I also, just before we really hit into it, let me really quickly, back in Matthew 16, um, we, we have Jesus is talking there up in Caesarea Philippi, up in the north by Dan, and Jesus says something in particular to Peter. He says, Peter, to you I will give the keys to the kingdom. Uh, really, he's been tasked with bringing the keys of the kingdom, opening up the doors to salvation to different groups of people. And, and we see this, number one, in Acts chapter 2, which we've already covered. And this is the keys to the kingdom to the Jewish people. 
in Acts chapter 2, uh, I'm looking at verse 37, says, that, now Peter, he's, he's preaching and speaking to the Jewish people. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, in the Hebrew, shuva, turn, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens in verse 40, 41, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. They received yeah. the gift of the Spirit. Yeah. Who are those people? They're all Jewish, every, every one of them. Um, and, uh, you know, someone may say, well, there were proselytes. Well, those were people who went through the ritual circumcision and converted to the God of Israel. Yeah, and then, then we fast forward and you go to Acts chapter 8, and Philip, he goes to this place called Samaria. Now, who are the people in Samaria? They're, they're Samaritans. They're Samaritans. And what, are, what is a Samaritan? They are half Jews. Uh, when uh, the Jewish people uh, intermarried uh, during the time of the... Uh, Babylon, going, going far back. Babylon, well, Assyria. Assyria, when sorry. Assyrians, yes, Assyria. Uh, came and invaded and took uh, the northern kingdom uh, captive. And so they're, they're not typically <laughs> loved or well-respected uh, by, by the Jews, but we have uh, Philip, he goes there, and there's this interaction with uh, Simon the magician, um, but here's what happens here. I'm in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God, and in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them who? Peter. They sent for Peter and John. Why do they need Peter and John? It says that they were baptized, right? The people in Samaria, the Samaritans, were baptized. They believed. But Peter and John, they came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Right. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Yeshua. And that's a, I mean, we could do a whole thing on that. Like, how can you actually believe and not have the Spirit? Um, but it says they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The keys of the kingdom, they were given. And Peter says, I'm coming down. Don't worry. I'm going to unlock it. He prays. They lay hands and boom. The Spirit comes, and that gets us, so we have the Jews, we have the Samaritans, and now we get to this last group of people, and those are the Gentiles. Yeah. So and now we're in Acts chapter 10. We're in Acts chapter 10, and the big question is, uh, can a Gentile actually be saved? Now, Gentiles have been saved up until this point. There have been Gentiles that have been saved. Yeah. But... Um, it's not it's few and far between. There you go. At this point, not and really the focus. Yeah, it's it's not the focus, and we we should uh, we should say that by the time we get to Acts chapter ten, uh, and Peter is going to end up at Cornelius's house in uh, Caesarea. It's been about some eight to ten years since the Holy Spirit uh, came and was the beginning of the church at Shavuot or Pentecost. 
Uh, so it's been quite a while, and uh, finally now the doors are opening up, and uh, we have a man at Caesarea who is named Cornelius in the beginning of chapter 10. He's a centurion. He was uh, of the what's called the Italian cohort. He was a devout man. He was one who feared God. He was reverent. He had a prayer life, uh, and he had visions. And one vision was to contact Peter, who was ministering up in Joppa. And uh, interestingly, Peter is having some visions himself. He, get, he has a vision of this uh, blanket of unkosher food coming down, and the Lord saying to him, Peter, uh, kill and eat. And Peter says, no way, Lord, I have never uh, eaten any of this stuff. You know, this is not kosher, it's trafe. So why do you think God is telling Peter this? Why is he getting this vision? Is he saying, hey, bacon's not all that bad? Have a little yeah. bit of shrimp with that yeah. steak? Yeah, uh, I, I don't think so. First, first of all, it's a vision, and you can't eat a vision. But there's a, there's a greater message that Peter begins to understand as he is sent for by some uh, men that Cornelius had sent, according to his vision, to get and contact Peter and bring him to Caesarea. And so they went, well, where are we? In verse 22, they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. <clears throat> so he invited them and gave them lodging. And then on the next day, he got up and went away with them. And some of the brethren from Joppa, these would be the Jewish brethren who accompanied Peter, they were with him. And on the following day, in verse 24, he entered Caesarea. And now Cornelius was waiting for them and called together his relatives and close friends. Right, so he's he's gathered some people there. And we have to even remember this, that P Peter doesn't get this vision from God just once. It happens three times. Yeah. And, and Peter's not going up there fully understanding the game plan. He's yeah. really just taking it a step at a time, trying to be faithful one step at a time. Even if you go back to verse 17, it says, Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision yeah. that yeah. he had seen might mean, behold, they were sent, and so he went. And he makes this journey, and it's not really not that far. This is really on the, the west coast of, of Israel, oh, right? Israel. Yeah. Joppa is right there. This is the place historically, it's interesting also, that, that Jonah was sent to to go out to Nineveh, ah, uh, another Gentile yeah. nation, right? And uh -huh. it's there that he's really, Jonah is reluctant. And, and now Peter is faced with this, like, hey, are you going to send me to the Gentiles? Yeah. And there's a, an inward perplexity that's going yeah. on. It's stirring. And, and you can see it when we get to verse 25, it says, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. Yeah. But Peter raised him up saying, stand up, I too am just a man. And as he talked with him, he entered and found many uh, people assembled there. And then he says to them, listen to this, uh, in verse 28, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. 
He's, he's saying, you know, th- this is a really powerful social law. You have to recognize that. And it goes back to the Old Testament. God is a jealous God. He said, I don't want you inquiring about the strangers, about how they worship their gods. Uh, don't even be intellectually curious. And this is, this is the uh, environment that uh, Peter knew, the religion he knew, what he grew up with. And that's not to say that God did not reach out to the nations. Obviously, we just brought up Jonah, um, and you had an entire nation uh, turn to the Lord for one generation. And Israel's goal was to be a light unto the Gentiles, unto the nations. But you see how powerful this social law is that uh, Peter says, you know how it is such an unlawful thing for one who is a Jew to come into the house of a Gentile. What were you going to say? Well, he says, and yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Right. So I I think the mistake, we we have a couple of mistakes and a couple of assumptions. Number one, that this is all about the food, right? Like, so, hey, uh, now now Jews, we can eat whatever we want and, you know, pour on the pepperoni and the bacon, all that stuff. It it, it really, this is is a message about the people. That's number one. Uh, But number two, uh, Noah and I, we were driving back up from Georgia uh, last week, two weeks ago, and uh, we we got hungry, and on the way, we stopped in Knoxville, and there's a really great... uh, Oh, deli. There's a deli there, man. Love the Nashville deli. It, well, not Nashville. It was Knoxville. Knox. Oh, Knoxville. Oh, okay. I'm getting mixed up because thinking, in Nashville, yes. there's a deli called the Nashville <laughs> Deli. So we have Nashville, Nashville, and Knoxville. <laughs> That's okay. good. I like that. So it's a, it's an Israeli little deli there. There's Israelis there, and uh, it was it was really good food. But what you also realized, though, was inside the kitchen there, they had divided the kitchen between the meat, meat and the dairy and the dairy, right? Yeah. And the menu, one side was meat, one side was dairy. It was interesting. Yeah. But they do that because they don't want that to mix, right? right? Once you cross over, it's no longer kosher. Right. Well, this is this is rabbinic. We ought to say this is rabbinic. It's right. not biblical. Right. You know, they, there was the same thing uh, in a in a shopping center in uh, Long Island where you, you had King's Deli and King's Deli was down here and two doors down was uh, King's uh, Bakery where all the uh, dairy and everything was. So it's separated. Right. The Orthodox Jews do this. Right. Well, it's not My only... grandparents did this. Right. Yeah. It's not that far removed. Right. So it's not... And, and this is in Israel today. There's meat and, and the dairy is... And that's a whole other topic for another day too with goats and milk and all that fun stuff. But they'll have two separate sets of plates. And even for Passover, they'll have right. another set of plates. Yeah. Right. With no Bubby, leaven. Bubby had this. Yeah. Plates it's everywhere. Exactly. Right? Uh, what, what it was. Uh, yeah, so so the point you're making is the fact that this vision that Peter had, uh, there there was a dynamic to it that he's really not talking about food. He's talking about the fact that God is no respecter of persons. He taught me this, and where did he teach him that? In the vision, right? And and don't they would not even go into the home of a Gentile because. No. We, we don't want to break any of these laws, even by association. And, and we'll see where this actually lands Peter with the Jewish community yeah. in a little bit. So, so uh, Peter, Peter says, I, God has shown me that I should not be a respecter of persons. That's why I came without even raising any objection. But, it's part of being Jewish. <laughs> yeah, I bet there's always self-conflict, right? So, yeah. And even going back to verse 17 again, he was inwardly perplexed. Yeah, like, he that's, was perplexed. Like, God, what are you up to? What is all this about? Yeah. Yeah, so we came without raising, I came without raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask 
For what reason have you sent for me? Why am I here? Right. And Cornelius tells him about uh, the fact he was praying and, and had a vision and so on and so forth. And he said, you know, there, there was this man, this angel that appeared before him and said, send for Peter. And so he did. And uh, in verse 33, so I sent for you immediately and you have been kind enough to come. Now then we're all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And by the way, this is, uh, we, you know, when we read Caesarea in the, in the Bible, we're, there's really two Caesareas. There's Caesarea Philippi, that's up in the north by Dan, right? Uh, by like modern day Lebanon, in this, like close to Syria as well. But this is not that Caesarea. This is Caesarea, what we call Caesarea Maritima, yeah. Maritime. It's, it's Caesarea right by the, the sea. Yeah. Right on the water, yeah. but it's distinctively, it's very Roman. It's very Roman oh. and it's very Gentile. That's yeah. why that's why we have well, there's Cornelius a whole there. Amphitheater there. It's a Roman amphitheater. Yeah, they would have the Hippodrome. There were games yeah. there. So, but yeah. this is this is Rome. This is Gentile headquarters. And here we have a righteous Gentile, and you know Peter gives this whole explanation uh, regarding you know why why am I here. And uh, it's kind of a necessary leader as to why I, a Jew, preach to you Gentiles. And so, interestingly, verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. And you got to realize, here you have a devout Gentile who had a prayer life. He gave alms to Israel constantly. Um, and so Peter is getting the message. And he says, the word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through, through Yeshua, the Messiah, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting with Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Yeshua of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, he, he's what he's doing, he's laying out the life and the ministry of Yeshua. He's, he's, he's giving them the gospel, talks about he's going to be, he's finally put to death by hanging on a tree, but God raises him up on the third day, and he appears, not to all people, but to those of us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, right. who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. And it says in verse 33 or 43, 43. to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That yeah. is going back to the, the, yeah. the first he act. Is, he is going back to... Uh, to the Old Testament, he's going back to the prophets. Of course, where else would he go? They didn't have a New Testament. So Peter is giving them the historical background, and in verse 44 says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed. They were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, and, let, let's just break that down for yeah, a second. Yeah. Right, there's, while he is still talking, yeah. 
The yeah, spirit's it's, falling. Uh, yeah, it, it, what's interesting is Peter on Pentecost, on that day, he stands up and he preaches for five minutes and 3,000 are saved. In the afternoon service, he preaches for three minutes and 5,000 are saved. Yeah. Now, he's not even done preaching. While he is yet speaking, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And then 10,000 are saved. Yeah, I don't know how many. No, not that many, but would that be <laughs> Cornelius's great? house, this is, this is the thing. And what is amazing in verse 45 is the reaction of some of the Jews who are with Peter says they are astonished. Well, who are, who's with Peter, though? Who's with Peter? Those, yeah. those who came with him from Joppa. But it says the circumcised. Yeah. The well, Jews are Jews. coming. They're yeah. watching all of this. Yeah, and they're, they're watching this. They're, they're, what's going on? They're, they're amazed. They, I mean, they, they were not even the ones that received yeah. the vision. They're all, Peter, are you sure about this? Yeah. Like, did you have a little bit too much wine last night? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Well, that is their reaction to a Gentile coming to the Messiah. Right. In my, my version, I don't know what version you have over there, but it says the, they, were, they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Yeah. Even on the Gentiles. And, and so, you know, they're, they're amazed, they're astonished. It's not very astonishing today. In fact, the opposite is true. Gentiles are astonished when a Jew comes to the Messiah. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah, but uh, look at Peter's tone here in verse 47. It says, Peter answered in verse 47, says, surely no one can refuse water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? <laughs> I mean, Peter is looking around and to the, to the Jewish fellows that accompanied him to Cornelius' house, and he says, can anybody forbid water? You can know, I, can that I, these can, should not be baptized? Right. I, can I just tell you something? Uh, back in the day when we were in California, uh, we got a call uh, at the church that I was pastor at, and uh, there was a homeless guy that, that needed some housing, so we put him up in a hotel. Uh, he was a Jewish guy, uh-huh. and uh, he was on a train down in San Juan Capistrano. He had a heart attack, uh, was put in the hospital, and then he was kind of on his own. He was struggling, didn't have enough money. So we put him up in a hotel, and uh, I go over there because you know he called the church and said, hey, uh, I'm this Jewish guy, and I'm here, just had a medical issue, and uh, do you have a pastor? I need some help financially and all that. So I go down, I pray with him, and the, the guy prays to receive the Lord. Right there in a Motel 6 hotel room. (laughs) And he pulls out this verse. He says, is there anything holding me back from being baptized? (laughs) I remember it was December because it was cold, you know, cold for California. It was probably like in the 60s. Yeah. And I look out there, they drained the pool for the winter, so we couldn't go out there and be baptized. He said, well, how about the bathroom here? And this guy, he, he he was not a featherweight. He was in the heavyweight division. And so I said, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about Acts chapter eight, right? Like, where, where have, did he get this connection? Yeah, well, I mean, we we talked quite a bit. I mean, there's there's a lot of conversation that happened uh-huh. in, in between all of this. The guy goes in, he fills up the bathtub at the hotel with water, oh. and he said, he calls and he says. I'm in. I'm ready. <laughs> he got into the bathtub. The water got out. And I'm sitting there. We could not fully immerse him because there was not enough water. There was more of him than there was water. And I just had to look at the Lord and I just said, and Lord, you know, hopefully like this is going to count. Our, our hearts are in the right spot. But uh, long story to just say, like, you know, is there anything that's holding him back? 
Uh, Peter's looking at all these guys, and there is no other response. They see the spirit of God falling on them, yeah. and and they're trying to. But but the tone of Peter is interesting. That he he doesn't say what he said back in Acts chapter two. You know when they when they were cut to the heart and said, "What should we do?" And he says, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you." Right, it's or a little bit different. Should say, "Be immersed, go through the mikvah, uh, every one of you, for the repentance of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." He doesn't say that. He looks around, kind of sheepishly, at the other guys that are with him, and he says, "You know, can anybody forbid water that these should not be baptized, the same as us?" I mean, you saw it as well as I did. You know, it's the same thing that happened. You know, did you ever imagine that there would be such a moment? in the quote-unquote church, right. this, this is amazing. So what, what it ends up with, we have some uh, new Gentile believers here in Caesarea added to the body of the Messiah. So that, that really kind of capstones that, that part in Acts chapter 10, but the story is not quite yet finished. It's not finished. And there's a little bit more. Actually, there's a whole lot more, but what we're going to cover, <laughs> hang with us here because I know that we're, we're starting to get a little bit long, but um, some of the best stuff is, is right here at the very end. So uh, let's just take a moment, let that sink in, and then let's hit chapter 11. Okay, so um, we have uh, really uh, new Gentile believers in Caesarea at the end of chapter 10. And what's interesting, as we approach chapter 11, and we, we have to mention this, we have to go through this here, uh, because we see in this chapter the attitude of the church fathers back in Jerusalem, of course, all Jewish. And uh, <laughs> They, uh, we look at this and verse three of verse 11. Chapter 11. Chapter 11, uh, they're, they're saying to Peter, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? You know, uh, they're saying, Peter, you know, we heard that you had lunch with these boys from Caesarea. What in the world is going on? I, I think Peter probably came out of that whole episode in Caesarea saying, oh boy, what have I done? Yeah. And he says, I hope nobody hears about this. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Jerusalem's calling and says, Peter, what have you done? Yeah, yeah. And and, and so he's, uh, you know, he's... Recounting. He's, he's telling re the story. He's recounting. So in fact, it says to them, Peter began speaking, and he proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, you know, the things that happened. I, I like one version. It says, he expounded it to them in order what happened and he goes through the whole thing of the vision and the coming to Cornelius's house and uh, all of the things that happened but as they're listening you know the coup de gras is that we come to a conclusion down in verse 18 when the church fathers all Jewish says uh, when they heard this they quieted down mm -hmm. okay or you know they they kept silent which is amazing in itself when you can get a group of Jews to be quiet. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is, this is a, but that's what happened here. They, they kept silent and glorified God saying, well then God has granted to the Gentiles also repentance that leads to life. If you're a Gentile, you should highlight that and underline that in your Bible because 
this conclusion had never been reached before up until this point, and they are making the proclamation here that now Gentiles, they understand Gentiles can be, re, can be saved. And what's interesting to me is that it says that God has granted to the Gentiles also repentance that leads to life. It wasn't a matter of just believing, saying, I believe. It, he granted them repentance. Repentance is something that comes from God. It's a gift of God. And that was the message of Yeshua all throughout his ministry. That was the message of Peter and all of the apostles all through their ministry, Jewish ministry, that there must be repentance. It was the message in the Old Testament, even with Isaiah uh, in the beginning in chapter 1. And he says, come now, let us reason together. That word for reason in Isaiah is argue. Let us debate. Let us argue together, you know. And we've been doing it ever since. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we, we, we like to argue. Um, you know, reminds me of that line in, uh, in Funny Girl, you know, <laughs> where Fanny Bryce uh, is with Florence Ziegfeld, and he wants her to do one thing, and she doesn't want to do it. And uh, she says, what is it, nobody argues with the landlord? So... Anyway, I, I had no idea where you're going to go yeah, with that. I, I didn't yeah, I'm not, I'm it not just sure popped into my head. Like, what funny girl? I thought for sure you're going to pull out like a fiddler yeah. uh, quote. I was trying yeah. to figure out which yeah, fiddler one you're going to go yeah, with. That way. Well, so but, so but but what what this this verse does here is it provides the answer to the question that we started with: is can a Gentile be saved? Yeah, it's valid here. You can relax. It's established in this place. And not only that, but this is that third key to the kingdom, right? Yeah. God, yeah. Jesus says to, to Peter, to yeah. you, I will give the keys of the kingdom. And Peter has unlocked the door to salvation through Yeshua, but has done that to the Jews, to the Samaritans. And here in Acts chapter 10 and 11, we see even to the Gentiles. Yeah. And, and you can tell by what the the Jewish church fathers said that they've finally gotten the message, but obviously by their attitude, you could see that they had not gotten it previously. Uh, I think there must have been no moment when Yeshua told the Gentiles we're going to have a church, you know. I mean, yeah. he did say, uh, did refer to on this rock, but I don't think they could picture or conceptualize the whole church age. Well, they, uh, they were never thinking at that moment that Gentiles would ever be involved. Yeah, uh, the, the whole, the enormous coming to the Messiah of Gentiles by that word, you know, by that. Uh, they, they are surprised. And, you know, we need, we need to... Uh, really understand that we're talking about faithful and devout men. We're not talking about unbelieving Pharisees. We're talking about strong believers, the first of the church, the body of Messiah, uh, who really endured animosity on every side. Let me just tell you, for example, if you were a believer to the Romans, you were a Jew, and they didn't like Jews. To the Jew, you were an apostate, and they didn't like apostates. And to a Gentile, you were a kind of this mixed double nut, you know, first a Jew, and then on top of it, one of these sliver group Jews that insist on following this strange doctrine. Uh, and it was a terrible position to be, the, to be in, and they hung in there. And so there begins slowly a mission to the Gentiles, and Paul comes along and follows up on that in a really uh, powerful way. And we find him saying in Romans, in chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
this is a logical thing for him to say in view of the fact of what has happened. The gospel comes to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And that is a, a pattern, a continuing pattern in all of Paul's ministry if we track it through the book of Acts. Just a little later in the same letter in chapter 10 and verse 1, we find Paul saying, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So in spite of Paul's calling as an apostle to the Gentiles, it didn't diminish his continued prayers to God for Israel's salvation or his efforts to reach the Jewish people with the gospel. And yet, there is some doubt as to whether or not the Jews are going to be saved. You know, have missions to the Jews dropped off. Right. Well, and I think that this is is part of the issue. Back back then, go back 2,000 years, and the question was, can a Gentile be saved? And, and now today, that question has totally flip-flopped. What, what I yeah. think is interesting, too, you look at, look in your Bible, go to Acts chapter 9, and the header that they put in the Bible there, mine, mine says, the conversion of Saul. Right. Right? And this is the question. So, you know, when they find out that we believe in Jesus, in Yeshua, they say, so when did you convert? to yeah. Christianity. Now yeah. you're a Christian. And the implication there is that we've changed teams. The right. Old Testament, uh, you were Jewish and then you believed in God and you were saved. But in the New Testament, God was kind of done with that whole thing. He's done with the Jewish yeah. people. Yeah. And really, uh, he, he had, he's playing for a new team. And if you want to be saved, you have to change jerseys, essentially, and you're no longer Jewish. Now you have to be a Christian. And that, right. that is the angst of our people. And it's why we say, when people say, when did you convert? We say, well, we didn't convert. Um, yeah. Still Jewish, and we're still wearing the same jersey, but this is what it looks like. Right, right. And... and- Paul made that same point again in the book of Romans in the next chapter, in chapter 11, he makes the point, he says, hath God cast away his people whom he foreknew? And his his response to himself is an emphatic, God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, I'll give you my tribal lineage. God hasn't cast away his people whom he foreknew. Paul's saying I'm Jewish to the core, you know? Uh, I'm saved. It can be done. Uh, And from the sound of the God forbid, Paul seems to be having a problem. People aren't witnessing to the Jews. Uh, The Romans weren't. Uh, The Roman Empire was a very un-Jewish place. And, you know, the politics of the day would uh, indicate Uh, the fact that there weren't very close relations between Jews and Romans in Israel, so there certainly wouldn't have been back in Rome. Jews were really a second-class citizen. Um, And and that that has really gone into uh, the the idea that that Jews can't be saved or shouldn't be saved, or even even the best intention is, we're not going to go to the Jews specifically, we care about everybody. And, right. and we're just going to, you know, the Jews are one of many groups in there. But to do that, we're actually negating God's heart for, for, for the Jewish people. Yeah. And it really turns into something that we call uh, supersessionism or replacement theology, right? That, yeah. that God is done with his people, and now this is the, the age of the Gentiles. And really, the Jews have no place. Yeah, or a more benign uh, type of that is that, well, the Jews have uh, their covenant and we have our covenant, and uh, so we don't need to go to them. They're okay with Moses. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, you, you get the sense uh, from Paul's God forbid. 
or may that, it never be. Yeah. Uh, he says, look, I'm one of them. And, you know, from that point, missions to the Jews got to be of less and less importance through the ages, and they became instead persecuted. The gospel that was to go to them first began not to go to them at all to begin with, and finally to be forbidden to them. In fact, in medieval England, the Jew was not allowed in the Christian church, not even allowed through the door. Hmm. You know, And when you think about that, you think of how backwards that is. Here is the new covenant given to Israel. Here's the Jewish Messiah come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Uh, here is the spirit come to the Jews at the temple on uh, Shavuot, on Jewish day of Pentecost. Uh, you have Peter saying to Cornelius, get up, we have a God who's no respecter of persons and bringing salvation to him and his family in that house. Uh, you have the church fathers in 1118 of Acts saying, yes, let's give the Messiah to the Gentiles. And then comes the day when the Jews, they're not allowed in the church. Uh, imagine how backwards that is. So what Peter is doing in Acts 11 with the church fathers we are doing the reverse of today, and we're saying it's okay to give the Messiah to the Jews. Yeah, and it's really a call to the church. And, and I would say that that's where we stand. That's, that's why we feel the need to create the ministry that we have with the Jewish Road. We want to help Christians understand or make sense of the roots of their faith, that the roots, this is a, God didn't say, all right, we're going to dig up that olive tree and throw it away. We're going to plant a new tree. It's, no, 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 the church, the Gentiles have been grafted in. Contrary to nature. That's right. Yeah, grafted in, and so this is our hope. And so as we can help Christians make sense of the roots of their faith, understand that God has never forgotten his people, that now we also are called to go back out. It's not, it's not enough to just say, oh, that's really cool, and that's, I, I have some Jewish roots, and that's really helping me in my faith. But the call is now to go out and help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus. Yeah, you, you said something just a second ago. Uh, about the fact that it's not just a, uh, a matter of the Jewishness that we need to go back to in the Old Testament, but that Jewishness bridges its way across even into the New Testament where we see uh, a continuity there, I always say it, between Jewish history and salvation history. And so, you know, we need to do this in, in a way that is culturally consistent and in a way that makes sense to Jews. And I, I, I just look at that and I think it's just kind of funny. It has turned around the other way. Now the church fathers are Gentiles and we've got to remind them that God is no respecter of persons. It's okay to go to the Jews. It's not only okay, it's biblical. That's right. So we're, that, that's where we're gonna end this uh, today because um, Lord knows uh, the, the mind can't handle more than the seat can endure. Yeah. So mine is, my seat is done. I'm sure your seat is done. I'm sure their seat is done. Uh, so we're going to wrap it there. But hey, uh, what what comes next after the after the Feast of Pentecost and going even back to Leviticus twenty three? Then we have in in Leviticus twenty three we have verse twenty two and it talks about to leave the corners of your field uh, for those the sojourners the 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 aliens who come through there. And really, as we're entering into this summer season, the summer season, this break between the spring and the fall 
is is the summer. This is the season of harvest. And it's a call for us to go out and to make disciples, to share this good news. And we, we hope and pray that your, your heart would be turned towards the Jewish people. Um, I also want to let you know that in the next, uh, we're going to release a bonus episode or maybe even two. Um, the next one, we're going to just pull together all of the best of Jewish humor uh, from season two. And so we're bringing season two to a wrap. Uh, what do we have? What are some of the things that we've been talking about that we want to do in upcoming episodes of the Jewish Rib podcast? Yeah, well, I, I think we want to talk about uh, this particular harvest season that we are in and where this is culminating uh, as uh, we look at the fall feasts and the things that uh, God has given to Israel in terms of a prophetic word as to what will happen to the end of the age. So we want to look specifically, I think, at the times that we're living in right now, because these are volatile times, and it involves uh, everybody in the world, those who are unbelievers, those who are believers, those who are professed believers, uh, but maybe not walking with the Lord, we're living in days that we need to uh, we, we need to take a look at these events that are taking place because it's an amazing time to live in. We're in biblical times right now. So not only that, we'll look at, at stuff like, why, why don't Jewish people believe in Jesus? Um, what are some of the objections that they have? And we're going to start bringing in some of our friends. We have lots of good friends who know lots of good things yep. and have some more conversations so you don't have to just listen to these two people <laughs> all the time. It, uh, it, sometimes I think we, we bore ourselves. So let's, let's get some other folks in here and some friends, get some new Jewish humor in here. And we also have one other announcement that's going to be coming down the pipe and uh this is episode 38 we'll have a little jewish humor in episode 39 and then a very special announcement for episode 40 it's coming down so hey thank you for listening thank you for enduring especially this one this was a little bit longer uh we didn't want to break this up into two we thought this was there's a lot going on here and we wanted to just have this all presented in one so uh you can stay in touch with us by going to uh, thejewishroad.com and you can also send us an email if you have any questions or requests we do speak and go all over the place and are happy to join communities to be able to do that and you can find out more information there at the jewish road you can always send us an email at shalom at thejewishroad.com and until next time we are happy that you joined us this time and we say Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim if at any time we should we should definitely now pray for the peace of Jerusalem Shalom.